previously on Popping Collars. I think the show worked because it engaged with myth. And okay. in both show detail saying, yes, we're talking about myth making and we're going to show you how a people go about living according to these myths that animate them. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think that's why the narrative drew people in. I think that's why the sequel, Caprica, really didn't work. Because it had none of the myth-making aspect. It was much more about a morality tale around technology. I just, uh, for the record, I loved Caprica and wanted it to continue, and I felt shortchanged that it just ended. Right. That probably says more about you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast that lives in the sweet spot between meaning and culture. (laughs) My name is Ricardo Avila, and I am the interim rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Long Beach, California. With me today are two of my co-hosts, plus a very special guest star. Let us start with the hosts, Greg Knight. Where are you located and what are you up to? I am in Palm Beach, California. Uh, Palm Beach, California? What? (laughs) Yes, come to the west. (laughs) No, I'm really, man, that hurricane threw us way away. No, no, I'm in Palm Beach, Florida, where we're we're recovering. uh, I've still got got limbs and branches and stuff on my front lawn waiting to be picked up uh, from the most recent hurricane. But when I'm not dodging hurricanes, I'm the director of Children and Youth Ministries at Bethesda by the Sea. Thank you, Greg. Next up is Liz Easton. Liz, tell us about yourself once more. Hey, Ricardo. Um, I am here in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. Wonderful. Thank you, Liz. And finally, joyfully, we have a special guest today, Jordan Haney Ware. Please tell us about yourself. So as of about three weeks ago, I am the rector of Good Shepherd Anglican Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. This is a major transition from my last position as associate for youth and young adult ministry uh, at All Saints in Fort Worth, Texas. Wow, that is quite a change. Is there a time zone difference? There is. I'm in mountain time and I was in central time. Oh, man. But other than that. (laughs) No differences, really. (laughs) You know, they do say that Alberta is the Texas of Canada, and I uh, keep waiting to explore the the truth of that statement. Wait, I want to say something really fast. (laughs) Jordan is also um, a podcasting partner of ours through the podcasting network at Episcopal Cafe. What's the name of your awesome podcast, Jordan? I podcast with my partner, Lucinda Hode, and we um, are called Two Feminists Annotate the Bible, and we are going through the Bible cover to cover, story by story, and looking at it through a feminist lens. This is the 71st episode of Popping Collars, and today's topic takes a broader, more philosophical stance than our episodes that focus on a particular TV show or other pop artifact. In fact, you might say today's topic is the raison d'etre. Oh. <laughs> I had to look that up. Sounds French. <laughs> pronunciation. There are YouTube videos of how to pronounce things. It's the raison d'etre for this entire show, meaning reason for being. How do you use pop culture in your ministry? Uh, you know, in the old days, we are told, the stereotypical sermon consisted of three points and a poem. 
So might what we do now be a new take on that, where now it's three points and a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference oh. or something. So uh, with that topic, that broad topic in mind, let us start with our special guest star, Jordan. Jordan, how do you use pop culture in your ministry? However you want to answer that. I think part of the reason that I was asked to be your guest for this episode is I wrote a book through church publishing uh, that specifically used a lot of pop culture references to try and serve as an introduction to the Episcopal Church for people who are familiar with geek pop culture references, your Buffy the Vampire Slayer, your Harry Potter, your maybe D&D kind of tabletop role-playing game stuff. Um, but they don't know a whole lot about the church. And one of the things that I found when I was a new Episcopalian in college is that the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Communion, our, our tradition, has pretty high barriers to entry. We have a lot of insider jargon, a lot of fancy names for things that even Christians from other denominations aren't necessarily familiar with. So I'm a tabletop gamer. I've been playing Pathfinder for the last four or five years. And um, when the guys in my game group came to my very traditional Episcopal wedding, I was able to explain to them what was going on using D&D terms. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, okay, this could be a way a, a way in for some people. And so I started to think about what is the Christian life other than a quest, like in a video game or in a tabletop game or like Frodo going off with the fellowship. You find your party, you find your community, and you go on an adventure. I'll throw a big old hallelujah onto that because I think that that's right. I think that like the what pop culture affords us is kind of a shorthand when it comes to conversations with people. Um, You know, I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of sermon illustrations or sermon references I've made in preaching and like, it's never the biblical text that people connect with. I mean, if they, if they know the biblical text, then great, right. They can kind of follow it. If they know a little bit of theology, great. But if I make like a 2001, a space odyssey reference or something like that, then people know it and they can grasp it and they can figure out what it is that I'm trying to say and what it is that I'm talking about. Right. And it's because we have the shared experience together of popular culture in a way that we don't necessarily share religious culture. Holy cow. I think that you're right. A lot of this comes down to language. And I think pop culture, what we're finding is it's a language in and of itself that allows us to talk across some of these boundaries that we have with each other. I think for me, where it comes out the most is in sermons and uh, sermon examples. What I was coming from, the reason I use them is it actually helps me understand what I'm trying to say better. And I feel like if I give a vivid illustration, even if the people in the pews don't know the artist or the movie, if I can explain why I'm making that point, it's actually actually creates a bit of a a resonance, uh, sort of a sacred resonance, if you will. The sermon I think of the most is when I was preaching on the demoniac, the We Are Legion guy, is that We Are Legion guy with the pigs too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I happened to see a, a music video of Kendrick Lamar's song, I. It was like, I love myself. And in the video, at one point, he's hanging out the back window of a car, like flailing his arms and his eyes are kind of like, uh, his eyeballs are kind of back in the back of his head. And he's doing this whole thing. And the lyrics are something about like, 
I lost my head. I must have misread what the good book said. Oh, woe is me. It's a jungle inside. Uh, like this, it's about depression and trying to deal with the world. And I was trying to make a parallel between this demoniac and how Kendrick Lamar looked hanging from the back of that car, flailing about and like zoning out and his eyes kind of popping back into his head. And um, somehow that really worked for especially one particular parishioner who struggles with depression, who came up and said, that's the best sermon ever. (laughs) He didn't know who Kendrick Lamar was. And it was the best sermon ever, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> trademark, <laughs> trademark. Um, but uh, if something resonates with you, and you trust that it will resonate with the the listener, um, there's something about that trust that actually can make it happen. I think that for me, um, it's a little bit of all of that that you guys have mentioned that maybe begins in preaching, but really finds expression in pastoral ministry. I guess. And I'm not in parish ministry anymore, so I don't have the occasion to preach that much um, as I did. But I guess when I think about this, and then also the role that this podcast has played in my life and in my ministry, when I was ordained, I was relatively young. I had just turned 26 and really kind of struggled with, uh, in the beginning especially, kind of struggled with, like, who is priest Liz versus, like, regular Liz. And like, do do I have a priest hat that I can take off and then be myself? And that caused me some angst in the beginning. And what I realized is the more that I realized that I just was one person and just was myself in ministry, that was when I was really able to flourish. And pop culture has something to do with that because the truth is I'm a priest and I also, you know, pick up us weekly at the grocery store sometimes. And I also watch bad TV and good TV and I read a lot of books and all these things. So for me, like bringing all of that into my ministry was just a further integration of me as a person in my ministry. And I think that my congregation responded to that. Well, to me, it just also, it opens so many doors. Like one of the, I guess it's kind of a joke that Episcopal churches or mainline Protestant churches don't talk about sin anymore. And it's it's too hard to, to preach about sin or to talk about sin. But when I look at a lot of pop culture, sin is all up in there and they are wrestling with this darkness. And, you know, I mean, Harry Potter's like played out all of my youth at my last parish told me we're done with Harry Potter. You've got to come up with a new metaphor. So (laughs) (laughs) You've exhausted it. You're done. But at the same time, the way that these stories deal with evil is so meaningful. And I think it relates to people and it gives you a way in to really talk about something that's so difficult to talk about, like sin. We ask people in the ordination process um, in one of our early retreats for aspirants to tell us just about a favorite TV show or movie or book that they've read recently and just like, tell us about it. And you can often see that there's a look on people's faces. Like, is this a trick? Did they want me to reference a religious thing or say, like, I don't watch Game of Thrones? And the reason we developed that question for that reason, so that we can, you know, encourage an excitement about the world around us and an openness about popular culture or whatever it is to bring that into your ministry. So authenticity, what I have been told time and again about myself from parishioners is we love that you just are your authentic self everywhere and that that draws people and so that's i'm going to just say maybe that's my superpower and that means being vulnerable that means being open that means bringing your little my little geeky pleasures 
uh, to bear on things. But I think, you know, the way I found my way back to faith in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s was through pop culture. I, I think you, in some ways, I would argue that pop culture can make religion more authentic. Uh, <laughs> at least for me, you know, I was like, well, Jesus, yeah, I grew up there. Yeah, like Jesus, I just don't know if I really believe, etc. But then, as I, I think I've said this before on this show, I started listening to Gillian Welch, Emmylou Harris, Lucinda Williams, Patty Griffin, and their songs about faith and their songs about struggles with, you know, sin and life and afterlife and all of that. And that actually strengthened my faith and brought me back to church eventually because I sort of trusted their authentic voices because they weren't, you know, they weren't trying to proselytize. They were just speaking their truth. And somehow through that, I, you know, it's, it, 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 it entered my heart and brain. And then I wound up going back to church and, and feeling stronger in my faith because of the lyrics to their songs. I sort of hope that when, if, if we bring to bear pop culture on our church ministry, on our ministries, be it in sermons or youth groups or retreats or whatever, people will feel closer to their faith. And I also think that pop culture allows us to be a little bit messier and make some mistakes and say some things that are a little bit heretical um, because it's not trying to be perfect. When I look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's so much Christian iconography in there, and it's so, like, just off, and it doesn't completely match. And that's okay in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it's useful and it's helpful to have that kind of messy space, whereas I feel like in church we so often are trying so hard to get everything exactly correct it's who we are as a community, you know, um, the Bible's full of imperfect people, you know, it's, 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 that's, that's kind of the point of the whole thing is that, is that God does amazing things with imperfect people. Well, and I think that if we put on that mask of perfection, who wants to join that group, right? Well, it also hurts the people, not just the joiners, like the seekers, but I think it can be dangerous for the people who are there already and are part of the community. And what the Bible is all about, like no one, I think the preachers need to be careful about offering a perfect perspective, but also um, congregations then need to be open to the messiness of figuring out how to be a person of integrity and, you know, a Christian person in this moment. And when we lift church up as this perfect liturgical experience or perfect music experience or whatever, um, and we stay away from the messiness, we can, it can be really, really hard to enter into that when we need to. I think sticking close to scripture actually is helpful for that because it's so messy and, but using pop culture for references is also helpful because it's not perfect either. Which is why I also really love this image that I used in my book of the, the Christian life of faith as being an adventure or a quest, because I do think so often from an outside perspective, it feels like we're asking you to enter almost this stained glass picture Mm -hmm. where everything is perfect and nothing moves and it's very boring. And, and it's also finished, right? And it's, like, and it's finished. Move. Yeah, you're yeah. done. You're done. You're done. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a common pop culture trope that, like, people don't necessarily want to go to heaven because it's boring. And <sighs> that hell's where, like, the fun party is. 
And for us to be able to say, no, actually, being a disciple means to follow Jesus, which means that you're moving. This is all a place of movement and you're, you're gathering your party of your fellow believers together and you're going on this adventure following in the footsteps of Jesus. And there's going to be mistakes along the way and your character might die for a little bit and you need to respawn or whatever in like video game terms. But you know what I mean? Just that there's all of these mistakes that happen along the way, it's not finished because you are just moving towards God. See, now that's inspiring, right? Like that's something that you can get behind. That's a story that you can get behind. So why is it easier to invite somebody to go see it than it is to invite somebody to go to church. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I think that that's that's where we're that's where we're kind of just dropping the ball. Like I, I I think that we're just missing that language. You know that sort of pop culture language of man, I, I, come join this party with me and let's see where we end up. Like I don't know where it's going to take us, but I think it's going to be amazing. I totally would ask someone to go see it before I'd ask them to come to church. Which is terrible, but why? Why? Well, be, well, no. I mean, I I feel bad as a priest for saying that, but you know, it 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 involves a two and a half hour commitment with yeah. popcorn, you know. And there's no popcorn in church. Maybe that's when true. I went, there was wine too. Belonging to church is a commitment, and. We don't have a ton of easy way ins. And some of these fandom communities are a huge commitment, but there's a lot of like ways to toe dip or to just lurk in the um, online forums before you really dive in. And I don't know that church makes it easy, both because of our our baggage in history and because of <laughs> because we often get so excited, especially when young people walk through the door. Uh, before I was ordained, I never was allowed to leave a church without my hand being shook <laughs> by like 17 different people. Um, and so sometimes I, I think maybe we chase people off with our desire for them to commit right away. And if we created more space and more opportunities for people to tote it for a little bit and just see how it feels then that that might help. So I have a question for all of you guys, which is totally unfair question to ask because I don't know how to answer it. But I was as you were as you were telling that story, Jordan. I was wondering, like, there might be some lurkers here listening to our podcast, like some people who found us some way, who are on the fence about going to church, or who are kind of dipping their toe in this way. What would you tell them about? making the next step. Ooh. Man, Liz Easton, I like you better when you are prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll throw out a first answer, uh, and let it fall flat. And then, and then after me shall come the true answer. Okay. Um, I would say to someone who is lurking and listening to popping collars right now and considering like 5% coming to a church near, near them, Come and try not to have preconceived notions because there actually might be something in there for you. There, there, there might be something in your life that you are, I don't know, struggling with or wondering or joyful about or, you know, you're feeling a little lonely or, 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 or needing community and, and give it a chance. You know, it's fallible. 
So I think that what I love about this conversation and the broadness of it is the fact that we've been able to think of about a thousand different pop culture examples. And I think that that's like, I like having options. I like having my options open. And if I'm somebody who's dipping my toe in, I'm probably like trying to figure out like what, what are my options? Like as far as, you know, just sort of making meaning out of the world around me. And I, I think it all comes back to what you said before, Liz, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to join up with a crew, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to make that commitment, like Jordan was talking about before, it better be people I can trust who are honest with me, who are authentic, like who are who they are and aren't trying to sell me on something. Like, I think that that's, that's huge. Right. So, um, so what I would say is, you know, someone who makes this podcast and who the only reason why this podcast exists is because like we, we didn't hear these kinds of voices, like all the voices that I heard from this medium were about that sort of perfect vision, that stained glass window that Jordan was talking about before. And like just having the opportunity to be in that messy space and to have conversations with your real life and your spiritual life at the same time, like, you know, just, uh, figure out, figure out who's honestly doing that and, um, try to surround yourself with those folks. I want to affirm what you guys have said, actually on my podcast, two feminists annotate the Bible. I made a promise last spring, right before Holy week, where, um, I told my listeners, that the liturgies of Holy Week completely changed my life. And um, I grew up United Methodist and I be uh, I was part of the Church of England in college. And then I officially was received into the Episcopal Church my senior year of college. And participating in those dramatic liturgies and the way that they make present and make real the last events of Jesus's life and the mighty acts of salvation completely changed my life. And so I, I made a promise and I said, I will help you find a church to go to for Holy Week. And, you know, I, I had more than one person take me up on that. I, I, and I also had a priest reach out to me and tell me that, that uh, one of those people uh, is still worshiping in their church. Uh, so I, I will also uh, extend that to Pop and Callers listeners. If you are struggling <laughs> to know um, what church to go to email me to feminists at gmail.com. And I will, I will help you. I have a lot of contacts. I know a lot of people who want to help you find a good church for you. And I will utilize my network to try and help you find that authentic community that you can trust because I know so many people have been burned by -hmm. church communities in the past. And uh, it's really hard to know who to trust. <laughs> Jordan, oh, Jordan awesome. you just rocked it. That yeah, you yeah. put the special in special guest star. Why can't I be as forthright as Jordan just was? Well, Why am I so like, well, I think we should think about Bible. <laughs> and what if you try this? Jordan's like, I will find you a church. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Is it the Methodist thing? Jordan's brave. No, they're brave up in Canada. They're great. They don't they don't mess around in Canada. We often find ourselves in this position of being like apologists for the faith and sometimes speak on behalf of the 
church as an institution instead of on behalf of ourselves as Christians. Like we're here for a reason. And each of us has a story about how the church has transformed our lives and finding ways to speak from that place to me helps kind of cut away some of the other stuff. The truth is for me, like the church has, has shaped my life in every single way that, you know, committing to following Jesus and loving him has made me the person that I am in sometimes really painful and awkward and hard ways, but also in really beautiful, meaningful, complicated, weird ways that are just great. And so I hope to be able to tell that story to people from the pulpit and in other places. Like when I talk about Jesus saving me, I don't talk about like eternal, I don't think about eternal salvation. I think about the life that has been the life that I love right now that I live has been shaped by a relationship with that person and then by extension with church communities. And that is an invitation I want to make to people I love because um, it's made all the difference for me. If you're listening to Popping Collars, then there's some pop culture in your life and some faith that's struggling to kind of meet each other. Find what it is you love already. You know, find your, your Lucinda Williams and Emmylou Harris song or find your uh, D&D game and, and, and start thinking about it in a different way. And maybe that's going to that's gonna draw you in a little more. And, yeah. and don't let go of that as you walk through the church doors because that's, that's, I, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, finding you where you live. special section of our podcast called the staff pick or by some heretics employee pick liz easton Uh, (laughs) like who are we working for liz Liz. (laughs) we're working for you greg (laughs) we're working for demand greg knight uh okay so um our staff pick for today will be offered up by liz easton liz tell us so my staff pick is like all of America's staff pick right now. And you guys can probably talk about it too. It's such an easy one. It's um, the new It movie. What? Who, who, who has seen it? Am I the only one? Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I read the book. Oh, I saw man. the thing. From I don't the- do horror at all. I don't really either, which is what surprised me about this. It was like a weeknight, I think. And I was like, "Ah, what am I going to do tonight? And there's a movie theater. Like, I'm really into counting my steps. And I needed a lot more steps. And there's a movie theater I can walk to by my house. So I was like, "Ah, I guess I'll walk to a movie. But And it was playing. I was like, I guess I'll see that. And in the beginning, at least, I was the only person in the theater, and it was. I was, was going to so say, aren't you the person who like tweeted that you're the only person in the theater? I was like, what is happening? And eventually, a few more people came, and I want to tell one funny story about that, but then I'll tell you about the movie. I was at one of those theaters that serves food, so at a certain point in the movie, someone has to come in to bring you your check. And um, there was an, a guy who was also seeing the movie alone on the same 
row as me. But the, other than me and him, there were like four other people in the theater. So the server walks up, kind of like sneaks up to him like she's been trained to do really quiet and puts the bill <laughs> on his table and he just screams. <laughs> <laughs> like totally screams. He screams. She falls over. <laughs> oh, no. Then he starts laughing, but it kind of sounds like he's crying. Like I was afraid he was going to throw up. <laughs> so, so great so that's the kind of movie it is there's a lot of jump scares um, see I don't do jump scares oh, I can't yes. do it oh wow so there's this coming of age part component to it that was really touching kind of like um, Stranger Things and then an interesting so like there's a scary clown right mm-hmm. and um, part of what the scary clown does is he becomes or manifests the thing that you're most afraid of. So there's the scary clown, which is scary. And then in the rest of these kids' lives, there are things that are really scary that they're dealing with. Abusive parents, sexual abuse, bullies, racism, like all these things that then sort of come into their consciousness as they have to confront this scary clown. Wow. Thanks, Liz. Wow, Liz. Wow. Thank you, Liz. And then, really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I then had to walk home alone. Oh my god! In the dark. In the dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Really tough. Not good. Okay, so I have the outro. Thank okay. you, Greg, for the text. I can do this now. I've got. All right, it. great. All right, I'll try not to be too like radio guy. Hey everybody! You can find. Wait, you're gonna try not to. Wait! All right, sorry. Okay, <clears throat> you can find popping collars on the web at poppingcollarspodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash popping collars and on Twitter at at the symbol popping collars. And of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, be it Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, what have you. All we ask is that you subscribe, please rate and review the show. That way, more people will be able to find us. And that's what we want is to be found once we were lost. And of course, we are featured, let's not forget, on EpiscopalCafe.com each and every time. Just like Jordan's podcast, which we will again plug called two feminists annotate the bible we should also plug her book too which is (gasps) called uh and my book is the ultimate quest a geek's guide to the episcopal church available wherever books are sold we love the episcopal cafe and we know that you will too so check them out for all your episcopal news needs and beyond it's like bed bath and beyond (laughs) and with that (laughs) that is popping collars for this time thank you greg Liz, stalwart co-hosts, and especially Jordan, our special guest star, for being on the show. We will see you next time. And remember, keep those collars popped. Good job, Liz. (laughs) 